Hello, I'm Peter Ayers, and you're listening to Stages, the podcast that converses World with the World War II gave us writing for Godot and Oklahoma. Without the arts, we are diminished. We had the kind of creative freedom. I was, I was on television as a child, and then I had I was in Cotty's happy hour. She leaned across to me and she said, one day, you know, you'll be doing that. Mind-boggling. They were even lined with purple leather. Uh, went to the ABC and audition. I was so fit at the end of that, you could have ended me in the Melbourne Cup. I, and I still firmly believe that great work can be made in small places. If nobody's going to respect your talent, you've got to respect it. I hope I've been entertaining, that's all. Well, that's very kind of you, Peter. But you are a friend. <laughs> and as are you. Yeah, it's a date. <laughs> it's a date. Hello. I'm Peter Ayers and welcome to Stages, the podcast that converses with creatives about craft and career. Today it's my great pleasure to welcome Artistic Director of Monkey Bar Theatre Company, Eva de Cesare. Established in 1997 and based in Sydney, the company has achieved critical acclaim for its work and today enjoys a national reputation for producing quality theatre programs for young people, their families and theatregoers. A graduate of the Victorian College of the Arts, Eva is also a founding member of Monkey Bar Theatre for Young People, along with her colleagues Sandra Aldridge and Tim McGarry. I know we all recall the theatre that had such a powerful impact on us as children, opening up our imaginations and guaranteeing a presence in audiences for a lifetime. Theatre for Young People is a vital and essential pursuit, and I look forward to examining the state of such art and more in this episode of Stages. You're in the business of children's theatre. Um, I think we all can recall vividly the theatre from our youth, the, 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 the mm. plays, the pantos, the puppet shows that made an impression. Dare I say, I think my first experience was a puppet show, a Punch and Judy, and the second yeah. act was a skeleton who sang about the, the knee bone connected to the thigh bone. I... <laughs> <laughs> what, what was your first experience of of uh, look, I've, I've said this. I've looked. My first experience of theatre for me was really my father and my father's storytelling in circles. My my father was a, a, an Italian migrant, and um, you know, I kept thinking, I, and I have been thinking, like, what was my first experience of theatre? And I think my first experience of re- like, you know, in inverted commas, real theatre was when I was at uni. And I was at La Trobe Uni in, in Victoria before I went to VCA and um, I started to see, um, oh, so like I, I saw a Hanny Rayson play and I don't remember the name of it, but I know that, um, and I always forget names of actors, but that was my first, like, starting to see stuff at, you know, La Mama and the small theatres around Melbourne and that's where I got hooked into. But really... Theatre for me started within my family in the way my father told stories. And that was, you know, I always hung around much later than I should have at night to listen to my dad and the way he told stories from the village, from, you know, the markets. He used to work at the um, big Victoria markets as a carrier. Um, So that's where my theatre started with my dad. Yeah, I think those European cultures and certainly our own Indigenous culture here mm. is very much relied on oral storytelling and passing That's right. those tales generation to generation. I mean, That's right. Caucasian, growing up, you know, Caucasian, 
nobody ever told you a story unless you were curious and you asked. And then it was a very abbreviated version of how That's you know, right. Auntie Mary met Uncle Harry or or how they came to be in this particular town. But, but um, you know, That's certainly right. with your Italian background, oral stories, singing, dancing, cooking. The singing, like, uh, you know, I the, the singing, the dancing, my grandmother's stories um, resonate in me. Um, I... Uh, so much so that I went on to write songs in her dialect so that at least I could capture some of, because the dialect is dying out and, um, you know, visiting the village, I know the dialect, but the people of the village don't know the dialect anymore because they've all, most of the people in that village have died out. So I'm one of the, you know, few around the world that uh, know that dialect. And that's like, I hold that really, you know, sacredly i should be doing more around it but of course i'm you know busy uh yeah so the the stories from my uh my grandparents and from my father you know their childhood stories i just you know i, I still hold those very very dearly yeah you're the custodian that's a very precious i i position. am i mm. am and you know uh, you know alongside my brother and and my sister, to an extent, she's quite a bit younger than us. But um, there, you know, I would love to one day theatricalize my grandmother's story. It's pretty fascinating, you know. And and her her own father, you know, left them when she was like two in the village and went off to create a completely new life in America. And so, you know, I've got family all the way through America because my great grandfather remarried without leaving <laughs> without leaving his his wife in Italy so he's a bigamist was oh wow so wow. like just I just, like the stories are incredible yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, and I love listening to people's stories hmm. I grew up in a small country town and and one of the uh, the regular uh, exposures to live entertainment also was the circus did you see much circus as a kid Yes. Well, in Lily, says I'm from Lilydale, Victoria. So Wurundjeri. I was, I was, yeah, I was born on Wurundjeri land. Um, and uh, yeah, so Lilydale, Victoria. So it's at the entrance to the Yarra Valley. And we had the Lilydale show every November. So there was, and the circus would come to that area as well. So I, I don't recall, I think I recall going to the circus once. But, uh, yeah, it's just so far away in my mind that, um, yeah, that would have probably been the, the most theatrical that uh, I got as a child because my parents, you know, they didn't, they didn't take us to <laughs> the theatre. You know, when my father took me, he took me to the boxing and he took me to the wrestling. No. So, so I grew up and I still remember those little Dixie cups yeah, and I must have been two or cream. three. The little vanilla Peter's um, mm, Dixie yeah. cups. With a wooden stick so, and a wooden spoon. At Festival Hall yeah. in Melbourne. So I didn't go to the theatre. I went to that theatre, <laughs> the people punching each other up theatre or throwing it. And, and at the time I thought it was all real. So I thought wrestling was real and, and only came to learn in my teens that it was actually theatrics. Illusion. So Haystack Calhoun and... Um, who was the Italian guy? Oh, oh. I've still got the photo. I, I, somewhere at my mum's house is the signed photo. I've forgotten the name of the guy, the Italian uh, wrestler. Yeah. Anyway, that that was my theatre. <laughs> I, lo I love it. It's no different to the, the going out to watch the gladiators. Similar, similar. Yeah, yeah. You know, similar thing. 
Yeah. And my dad loved it. And, you know, that was our Saturday afternoon watching it on telly as well, the wrestling. We have uh, mm. a great propensity for play when we're kids. I think it's something that we lose as we get older. We become more self-conscious or, or whatever. And, unless, unless, you know, yeah. you're actors like us who never yeah. lose that ability to play. Um, <laughs> the imagination is so fertile as a kid. How did you entertain yourself? I entertain myself. So, you know, I look in terms of... I, in a way, I wasn't allowed to have a childhood. I was uh, I was a young, I was a girl in my family, so I, I had to help from a very early age. But there, I, I do recall little parts of me when the parents were away that would, all of a sudden, the red vinyl couch became my stage and I would run from the bedroom with my, so singing was more, like I was more into the singing. I loved singing. Um and, you know, and there was the theatrics with that. But I remember running from the bedroom with my uh, turning the, the records on and running with my hairbrush. And I had one of those round hairbrushes and I would run, jump up onto that uh, vinyl red couch and sing my heart out. So that was my, like, I imagined that I just had thousands and thousands of people listening to me sing. And that was from about the age of seven. So I was living at that house in Lilydale with, and my cousin moved in with us for a while. And then we would have a, that then we'd be a duo. We would do that quite a lot. Um, I also had a, you know, you know, I had the dolls and I didn't play too much with dolls, but I did um, always imagine myself. I, I loved watching movies. I loved all the Tammy and the bachelor and, you know, I wanted to be Tammy. So for a long time, when I was a young girl, I would tell people my name was Tammy. <laughs> Much to my mother's, my mother would be horrified by this. She won't be listening to this. Uh, yeah, but I did. I used to tell people I, you know, I'd, I'd create all these fantasies um, about being Tammy. <laughs> Wonderful. Were there any oh, other theatrical know. folk in the family, uh, any uncles who were actors or exposure uh, to I, the arts? My father was a singer. My father would have, I think, had my father grown up in a different time, he would have he would have had the most beautiful tenor voice. So I could always, in his younger years, when I was quite young, I could hear my dad singing his divine songs um, in the backyard. Um, so he was, you know, and he was theatric, like, my entire family was theatrical, but not necessarily on a stage. <laughs> so um, his his family were very uh, 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 given to uh, excess emotions, and you know. But Dad was the best storyteller. Dad was the the storyteller, and, and I still remember those summer nights where we, we used to live in this street in Lilydale where I think most of the people that lived there were from a similar village or close by um, from Italy. So they would gather in this, you know, and it was, it was these big circles uh, with all the seats in our backyard and he would hold court and he would tell stories and you would just, uh, you know, if I was inside, I would hear that that beautiful, the punchline hit and the uproar of, of joy and laughter and, you know, and I got used to that rhythm, that beautiful rhythm of, 
of how to tell the story, you know, how to tell a story and bring it. And I'm still not as good as he was at all. His storytelling was um, pretty special. So I always come back to my dad, interestingly. That's great. Um, great. Now, there's a real, real about, art to telling a story, isn't there? That's there really is. Lure, really lure is. your audience in. Um, That's right. The dynamics yeah. of the voice, the, hitting right. the punchline. That's right. And he would words. create and the creation of the characters. So he would usually, you know, it would be, I remember we went back to Italy when I was nine years old. He took he took the family away for five months. He, you know, he, uh, dad was, uh, used to be a small businessman. So in in our township of Lilydale, he had, he opened, you know, he would open a shop, he would build it up for a couple of years, then sell it. And then at the end of that, he would then take us away. So in 1975 we went to Italy and to America for five months and um, so he would gather all these stories about the villages and stuff and then he'd bring them back and I remember so for a couple of years after that um, he would just tell these stories about the the villages and the other the friends that he'd met and and it was just always beautiful and funny and and then people would cry and you know it was just so my whole family was really like that. Not my mum's side, but my dad's side was very much into these, these beautiful um, get-togethers. Those oral mm. stories, better than a slideshow. Oh, my God, yeah. Oh, my <laughs> God, yeah. yeah. Thank God they didn't. Oh, well, he did, ha- yeah, he did have lots of photos and video. He did, he did carry one of those Super 8 cameras <laughs> through that whole five months, I remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So once you get to school, are you able to exercise your your dramatic side and are you able to study well, drama at school? Or? Yes, I was. So in grade like so, grade three was my first. Um, uh, I uh, I played Mary in the school play in grade three, so that was really exciting. And it was okay. me and Fabrizio Ianelli. I remember yeah. he played Joseph. So that was really exciting. And I remember using my mum's beautiful regal tablecloth, which she was not very happy about, but it looked perfect. So that was, so that was, um, so doing that gave me just such a feeling of power and, and I just really loved that. So that was great. And then when I got to high school, uh, which was Lilydale High School, I just happened to have some really fantastic drama teachers. So from early on, I did drama and I found that I had the gift. I could, I was a good actor and I was also funny. So I was able to move through drama for the entire of my high school. Oh, I think it, so no, it stopped at year 11 because they didn't offer drama after that. But, you know, I was in the school play and, um, you know, I'd sing at any opportunity and, and that was, that was great. And there was that terror. I always had an equal joy and terror always there was this just this fine line for me of being up in front of people i loved it and i hated it oh yes isn't that interesting yeah, oh yes that, there's one or two yeah. minutes before you you make your entrance you yeah. go through yeah. what am i doing yeah. i can't do this yeah. I can't. but you get out and there as and I everything older, is all right yeah and as i got older late, later in my you know my dad has passed away now but um in his sort of mid 40s i think he moved to becoming a real estate agent and i remember every time i and he wanted to, me to join him so that we had like a family business or something and i said dad i can't i've got to do this um but i remember 
that every time I was just about to step on stage and I was absolutely packing it, I would just say to myself, I should have been a real estate agent. I should have been a real estate agent <laughs> just before I step on. And then one step on and I go, oh, no, that's okay. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm where I'm supposed yeah, to yeah. be. So high but school, yeah, I, I was very much where I needed to be. And, uh, and then, um, you know, didn't do so well with my HSC, which I try to remind my children who are, you know, high achievers and, you know, that I came out of my HSC with a 52 <laughs> yeah. uh, ATAR or whatever it is, some, something under 60 for sure, I think it was. Um, but went on to TAFE and, and did drama and dance at TAFE. And then from there went to uni for a couple of years. And at uni, I just, I just performed. Um, so at uni, I did The Mother and I did, um, uh, I played Truffaldino in um, Servant of Two Masters. So that was my, that was probably the uh, still the best thing I ever, ever did because I uh, was able to be the clown. That, that it's where I sit. I sit in clown. Uh, and uh, that was pretty exciting. And then in that second year of uni, I applied for VCA. What were you studying at uni? I was studying English and sociology, uh, but really I was doing drama. Right. <laughs> I was actually, was, yeah. Was it was that to appease your parents, going off and, and, and getting a degree in a, a sensible course? I don't think, look, I didn't even know about VCA. Like I didn't, it it was interestingly, I just didn't really know. I didn't think I was good enough. I didn't think, you know, when I went to Box Hill TAFE, um, I auditioned. I I remember everyone seemed so into theatre and really all the people that were coming, you know, weren't from, you know, like a traditional Italian family like myself. So, you know, people had you know been doing drama all their lives and I just didn't think I was as good as everybody else and you know I certainly wasn't in dance because I can't dance for shit um I the you know I can I can act and I can sing and I can say that now but at the time I didn't think I was good enough so I was always surprised that I would get into things and then I was scared you know so I you know uh I did struggle as I went through these different um, courses, uh, but at drama, um, at sorry, at TAFE, I uh, auditioned for and got into the Rocky Horror Show um, that they were doing their big yep. final piece, and I played Janet. Great. And so, as Janet, um, I yeah, it was just it was just really exciting. I thought, oh, I can do this. I can actually sing and I can act. You know, so. But at every time I surprised myself because my I didn't have great self-esteem as a performer. I always thought, you know, I, I did always think the white kids or the Anglo-Saxon kids, because I actually see myself as white too now, um, uh, were always better than me because they knew more. That's how I always saw it. Um, and so I think to appease my parents, I went to uni um, and I think at uni, because I was doing so much drama, that's where the tension began with my family. 
uh, with my dad especially, and uh, we did have some very tense moments when I was coming home at 11 or 12 o'clock after having done a show or having rehearsed. That was tough because I was going from Bandura all the way back to Lilydale every night. And um, there was a big sort of a confrontation and a conversation that kind of went something along the lines of I've got to do this because I don't want to hate you in 10 years' time. I have to follow this. Um, I'm not being a naughty girl in inverted commas. I'm doing something that I love um, and I don't, I basically said to my dad, I don't want to um, hate you. And he kind of accepted that, um, still struggled. But then when I invited him to see The Servant of Two Masters, which, you know, me playing the lead role in that, and he saw me and uh, he saw what I was doing, I think he really accepted it and he loved it. He enjoyed seeing his daughter there. Um, and then when I got into VCA, they they kind of realised that I was really, really serious. <laughs> um, and that, you know, that like it still had tension. You know, my dad, my dad did have issues around that. And, you know, my mum was more supportive, but, you know, still it was, it was a struggle. It was a real struggle. And then leaving home was worse that, you know, in halfway through VCA, I, I actually left home because I couldn't do the travel and commit to the studies. Yeah. Um, and then I moved in with a boyfriend, which was even worse. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but parents oh, take shit. a bit of time to come around, don't they? It uh, took a, it took, task. it did, it really did take, um, take them time. It really did. But we're you the know, only daughter. I, oh, no, I have my sister as well, uh, who's eight years younger than I, and my brother, who who was a chef for like thirty years, and he's now a gardener runs a gardening business um, but we're all very creative and my dad like I always say to my I used to say to my dad but you like you sing like you do you know like I'm just I just want to make a career out of it um, yeah so it was it was tough it was tough but one thing I always knew was that they just loved me no matter what it was just that you know It was their own stuff. They were worried about me not earning a living. They were worried about me, you know, you know, and then every so often my mum would chime in with a, you know, oh, well, you know, you'll get married and then (laughs) you'll be okay because then you'll be looked after. So there's all that stuff. So, I, you know, that, that whole, that part of being Italian was not fun, was not fun and quite a, quite a struggle. Did you see many? Italians on Australian stages? Did you see any actors of your ethnicity that um, you could look up to or did you feel like you were charting new territory? Um, there were. There were some, there were some really, uh, you know, not, not so much when I was studying but uh, coming, coming to the end of VCA and, and I wasn't the only, um, you know, a diverse background person in my course. There were a couple of amazing artists um, through in my course as well, who are, are still working in the industry, which is really wonderful. Um, but uh, there, I was just coming out at the time of the whole wogs out of work. Great um, era. 
that team did an extraordinary wow. job in uh, resetting the the thinking and and understanding. They did. Desensitizing the term. I think they did. I didn't react to it. Now, many years later, like 30 years later or however long it is, um, I have a very different um, look at it now. But at the time, I didn't cope very well because I was I came out of watching Wogs Out of Work and bursting into tears. And I remember uh, because I just didn't want to be, I didn't want to make fun of my background. So you felt it was a bit disrespectful or? Yeah, and I and look, I have a lot of respect for the Wogs Out of Work people. So this is not, you know, what they did. They did break ground, you know, yeah. in, at yeah. that time. But for me, I don't know what was going on inside me. For me, I didn't want to just be seen as an actor that was just going to do that work. Yep. And yep. so I felt like I needed to leave Melbourne and luckily I did get an agent in Sydney and I did come to Sydney. Um, but the where I found myself and my place was with Doppio Teatro in Adelaide, and I don't know if you know of Doppio Teatro, but in the they were a bilingual theatre company who yes did very funny work, but also um, really looked at the culture and the bilingualism and um, cross cultural issue use. Um, not quite along the lines of wogs out of work. So I was able to explore my culture and the struggles that I had with being Italo-Australian within that amazing company. And I'm really grateful to Teresa Crea, um, who was the artistic director at the time. Uh, so for my first couple of years, I did a few shows with Teresa and with, you know, Lucia Mastrantone and Antonietta Morgillo and, um, some really amazing. Are they uh, creating new Australian. work? They were. They were yeah. creating new work there. So I came into that company just at the, you know, that was my first Adelaide Festival um, in a work called The Olive Tree, written by Antonietta and um, Teresa and Antonietta directed. It was wonderful to find, you know, myself through that work. And, and then all the all the hard yards of three years at drama school, which were tough because I nearly got kicked out, um, uh, was I, I could, like I, I couldn't see it while I was, you know, training. But as soon as I came out and started the actual work, I all of a sudden the tools that I had um, picked up throughout three years of training started to come um, into play while I was uh, was working at Doppio. So that was really that was really exciting. Mm. Yeah, you really start to learn on the job, don't you? Um, I did. I just learned on the job. Process what you were taught at school. Drama like, school. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's what that oh, means. now I understand the Laban thing. Yeah. That Laban thing we were talking about for like, yeah. I spent most of my um, uh, three years at VCA were pretty traumatic. Pretty traumatic for me. Um, I went through bulimia, with which no one really knew about at the time um and uh yeah i i really struggled because i was trying to be what they were being rather than being who i was already so you know that's that's just comparing yourself to others 
Always, always. I, I, I really struggled with self-esteem and wanting, you know, thinking I needed to be a an actrine rather than just who I was and rough. And, you know, I, I did come from quite a volatile background. And so the three years at drama school was kind of therapy. Yeah. Um, and and tough and tough, you know, and almost, you know, being basically being um, confronted in second year with, hey, you know, what are you doing? <laughs> and and then starting therapy and then, you know, and then finding my way. And then, you know, not long after that, they did clown. So, I, you know, it was lovely to actually move from Shakespeare, although, you know, I adored my Shakespeare. I've worked with June Jago, so... I was really fortunate to have, yeah, I had the, the most amazing Olive, teachers. Know, yes. Doll. Yeah. yes, yes, yes. She was divine. And, you know, my movement teacher was Rinsky Ginsburg and David Latham was the head of our acting. So the people that I went through at VCA and, and the, the people that I trained with, they are still the, the people I, you know, I are still in, in connection with them. I think we always will be, yeah. But it was it was fucking tough. <laughs> yeah, be, well, it's the whole thing about actors, yeah. you know. The whole career is about inhabiting different humanities, and and you can't yeah. really do that unless you understand who you are yourself. First, yeah, and you look, and, and I went on. I mean, that was the beginning of like fifteen years of therapy for me. So I actually that was just that was just scratching the surface. So I began to. Uh, revisit trauma from childhoods and, you know, all in there. And it was like, oh, it was just murky, murky, murky times. And, like, I'm 55 now. <laughs> um, and I reckon it was probably until I was about 40, 45, that I was still uncovering, you know, or still just coming to terms with everything, everything, you know. Yeah, getting getting older is good though, isn't it? You start. To I love it. Of, I love it. Oh, look! When think, I turned, 50, I don't care anymore. Oh, I don't care. Oh no! <laughs> when I turned fifty, oh my god! Yeah, that's just been the best, you know. And I was like, I, you know, I went through that. I, I lost my one of my best friends died at forty, and I was, you know, um, that certainly, and, and I was about thirty eight when she died. So that was um, that, that was a bit more of a turning point. Um, in terms of, you know, getting your shit together. <laughs> That's how I see it. Yeah, um, and, you know, just, just uh, and not being so hard on myself. I, yeah, yeah, from a, you know, from a personal perspective. And then, you know, like at the end of drama school, um, I met, uh, I, I'm, I'm at the end of drama, so I did go on to do those amazing things with Drop Your Teatro, but I did also meet another incredible group of people. And that was because they came from Sydney and it was King's Bloody Cross Theatre Company that was started by Fred Copperweight and, um, and Theo Kumbus, who were both Whopper graduates. And uh, they also worked with Iris Seidenstein. And they brought a show to... When I was in third year, they brought it to Melbourne and it was called A Play on Worlds. And it was also 
um, dealing with the, you know, cross cultures and misunderstandings and, you know, like just be- just the most moving, beautiful um, collaboration between the three of them and an actress called Maha who was in it. And I saw that and went, that, now that is the work. That's it uh, that I need to be doing. And, uh, and I just, you know, bawled my eyes out, went up to them after and went, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, please stay in touch. And uh, so in the April of the following year when I had graduated, they contacted me and said, hey, Maha's left. Do you want to come and play in Sydney? And so I moved to Sydney in King's Cross. Um, on my first day, my luggage was stolen out of Fred's car, so I had nothing. <laughs> and I stayed for a few months and um, stayed with Theo's family and performed. And um, so that was the friendship that I developed with Fred Copperweight. And and then I did move to I moved to Sydney permanently. And Fred introduced me, Fred was doing a play a year or two later, yeah, The Suicide by Nicola Erdman, and Fred invited me to um, be part of that. And in that show was another actor called Tim McGarry. And so I met Tim and I met many people who I'm still friends with in that. And Ira Seidenstein was in that as well. Did Ira? Yeah, I think Ira directed it. Sorry. Ira's a great clown. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Ira, Ira is, yeah, a good friend. I love Ira. Um, so Ira directed it. Fred um, was in it and, uh, and you know, we had a, lots of amazing people in it that I'm still very good friends with today. But, of course, that was the beginning of my friendship with Tim. Uh, and then Tim had an, there was another co-op happening not long after where Tim introduced me to the director, Ainsley Masterton, who was also a, a Whopper grad. And in that play was Sandy Eldridge. And uh, so uh, <laughs> it makes me cry. Um, that's Yeah, so that's where our friendship began in the early 90s. And, um, and we used to, you know, we just, we just hit it off. The three of us were just like, it was pretty instant from my recollection, um, and uh, they, they'd both been through Whopper and I'd been through VCA, so they knew, uh, you know, and Tim was originally, you know, from Sydney, so um, which was wonderful, and Sandy was originally from Perth. Um, and for about a year or two after that, we would meet weekly and we would just uh, just to talk about the industry, help each other with auditions. Um, but this just deep, deep connection came together. And in 96, I had uh, separated from my first husband and Tim came to visit me and said, you know what, we just need to do a play. We just need to do something. Right, we're calling Eldridge. So we called Eldridge and we said, let's find a book. And I think she was the one that found the Bugger Lugs Bum Thief. And we said, okay, well, let's just, let's just um, do it. Let's just adapt it. Um, and let's ask, obviously, you know, it's Tim Winton, so we need to, you know, get the rights, do this, do that. Um, Tim already had a company called um, Theatre Inc. that he had started with Ainsley. And so Monkey Bar Productions became a 
subsidiary of that. Um, we we had to, you know, uh, go and in order for, see, we wanted to apply for a little bit of funding for the Ministry for the Arts, which is now Create New South Wales. And we had to apply for like ten or $15,000 it was or something, but we needed a name. And so we went and we, you know, we sort of brainstormed and went, what about the monkey bars, you know, because it's playground, it's children. Let's, let's, um, let's do that. And Tim and I went to register it and the woman behind the counter went, oh, sorry, monkey bars already taken by that wine bar in Balmain, which is no longer there now, but it was at the time. And, uh, <laughs> and she said, look, just, you know, just change a letter. And so we go, we said, oh, what are we going to change? Oh, well, we'll change the bar to from BAR to BAA. All right, we'll do that. And so we, that's how the name um, became the name. But we really, really seriously thought that we would just create one little play and we would tour it into schools and then that would be it. And that was it. But what happened was we we created a five-month tour of that into schools up and down the East Coast, and it was the three of us, and we got um, our really beautiful friend Glenn Hayden to direct it, and I have now, because my memory is a little bit crap, have forgotten the name of the designer that designed our little tiny set. I think her name was Nicola. She was beautiful um, many, many years ago. So it was 97 end of 97 or early 98, I think it was. And um, so we toured up and down through into schools and we had this one week of school holidays that we had no, there was nowhere to put it. And Sandy said, oh, I've got a contact over at Glen Street Theatre. I'll, I'll call my friend Amanda Buckworth, who's the person there. And anyway, we got in there and the play played to... A, a fantastic audience. There was a massive uproar in that area about the fact that the play was called The Buggerlug's Bum Thief and there were people writing into the man, whatever the paper is up there, saying that, you know, my son Johnny, we have taught my son Johnny not to use the word bum, we say bottom, you know, like it was just ridiculous. Anyway, it got heaps of publicity. Amanda Buckworth was thrilled to bits. That's what it did really, <laughs> it did really, really well. And it was a great play. We it was a beautiful little play. It was really beautiful. And um, and then we were called in by the general manager at the time, um, who said, Look, we think your work is good enough to actually be on main stages rather than just going into schools. And so he introduced us to the Long Paddock process. He introduced us to Bromwood Edinger, who ran that. That's now, um, uh, it's now not called Long Paddock anymore. It's, um, it's a very different um, model. But we were introduced to the big touring theatre circuit around Australia. And, um, and that's where Monkey Bar really kind of started to uh take you know, off take off yeah, yeah. and effectively but it's just the, the every three year. of you They're just At the three the time, of you doing bookings writing performing we did imp we did have school performance tours helped us with the that initial five-month tour into schools that um that was yeah that was it was it's hard have, have you ever tried to get past a school secretary oh yeah yeah 
Oh, my God. Well, we tried to do it ourselves, and I still recall sitting at a desk, calling up a school, and my, my two partners, Tim and Sandy, still laugh at me about this. I remember picking up the phone, just about to say hello, and then I just went, oh, look, I'm sorry, I'm feeling a little bit faint. I'll just call you back. And I hung up and they still tease me about that because it was real. It was really hard. They're, they're really mean. They're just mean. Don't they're need tough. to be mean, school secretaries. Anyway, uh, we've got some really lovely ones that we engage with now. Um, so school performance tours came on and helped us actually develop that. Um, but then, yeah, after that, we didn't tour into schools anymore because what happened was Glen Street actually gave us some money to up our production values so they supported us financially um with a with a at the time it was five thousand dollars for us it was like a million bucks you know so we'll be eternally grateful to greg randall who was the the general manager who yeah. who saw in us what we didn't see mm. um and and i think that's the thing with this yes monkey bar's gone on like we're nearly 20 you know, we're 24 or something at every step of the way, there have been people that have been part of this journey. So, yes, the three of us did start it, but it wasn't just the three of us that is today. You know, we have had people behind us, have faith in us, um, you know, uh, every step of the way, you know. And also, look, I'm a great fatalist and I think things are meant to happen for a reason or whatever. And if yeah. Ed Copperweight yeah. hadn't taken you to the play that night. No, I blame him. It's all his fault. And I, I say that quite often. Um, you know, Fred went on to be one of the um, sort of artistic directors of Mugolan Theatre Company. And I, I remember uh, joining them for this this a beautiful event that they ran and they invited everyone to speak, you know, who they were and where they're from. And that was the first time that I just looked across and saw Fred and went, I'm here because of you. I'm actually, the, the reason I'm here as, you know, one third of Monkey Bar at the time is because of you, Fred. You brought me here and you introduced me to this person who introduced me to this person. And, you know, so, yeah, I'm because of Fred Popperweight. Love it. Love it. Well, Monkey Bar has gone on to become Australia's widest reaching touring company for young people, having conducted over 27 national tours to 135 regional and remote communities across every state and territory across Australia. Four international tours also, and over 2,500 performances engaging with over 1.3 million young people. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm tired listening to that. Yeah. <laughs> I, bet. I think and we've you, had 28, 28, 28 national tours now. Yeah, Pete. You, just you've finished. just take, <laughs> taken on the um, role of a, a artistic director in in 2020. That's uh, yeah, 21 to this year. So this year was my first year as the sole artistic director. Yeah, we uh, Tim and Sandy and I have were sort of we started talking about. Um, you know, the future in around 2015, 2016, we were just starting to, you know, look at succession planning uh, for the company um, and, you know, wanting to make sure that we basically weren't too old to go off and do other things and pursue other, you know, uh, exciting ventures and projects. So, of course, Tim took the first leap. And so at the end of 2017, um, he he 
left the company. And of course, and, he's experiencing terrific success oh, at the moment. With oh, Boy I'm Swallows so Universe and Prince uh, yeah. Company. Yeah, yeah. So proud right. of him. You know what? But that's taken three years. Of, like, just uh, it, it's it, it's been a trek. <laughs> yeah. But it, like, it's so um, amazing. I'm so like, you know, and Sandy and I were talking about it yesterday. Just how excited we are! Like, we were hoping to be up there, of course. But I had was ready to book my bloody ticket to go yes. and be there. I had a ticket. I had what, a ticket. Did you? I get oh, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very upsetting. Oh, yeah. Look, just some amazing. Like, I just can't wait to see it. And I'm just so proud of him. And, and you know, they are both Sand and Tim. Basically, like we got together just at the end of last year, the three of us at Tim's place, and and Sandy voiced it really beautifully. She said, "Yes, the company. Yes, the company." But hey, the friendship. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. basically what she said. It's it's about the relationship, and we have we have negotiated this relationship and continue to do so. And it's been like we've known each other for nearly thirty years, and but- I'm still proud to say they're still my two besties. Yeah, and that's quite something uh, considering you've worked together professionally, um, that yep. you have been able to maintain that that personal relationship. And, and that's right, that. that's right. I'll just, I just want to finish. So, so just in terms of this succession, succession thing as well, yeah. and getting me to this point, um, you know, this year being the sole AD. So, um, so Tim th- did that, and then in about 2018, Sandy said, okay. I'm going to go next. And so so what we've done with Sand and she and I have been working on this transition together for the last couple of years is that she has stepped, so she's still very much with the company, but she has now stepped into the artistic associate role. And so she is doing part, she's much more part-time now. And so she is, uh, she's been finishing up some writing. She uh, has uh, created a an amazing seminar that she delivered this year and she will redirect possum magic for us in 2023 so she is just removing herself from the company's day-to-day but still you know we still speak not every day but pretty much two or three times a week and uh and you know and she's she's sandy was a very big part of creating our teacher professional development uh programs which you know uh, help teachers to embed drama into all areas of the curriculum that's something that sandy was very much a big part of about 10 15 years ago so that's something that we we want to you know keep working on and developing and so she'll be part of that with our education manager so yeah and here i am hello yeah (laughs) yeah i think that's vital for for theater companies to have an education arm as well just to uh, yeah. to support teachers and and the students who certainly yeah. make up a lot of your audience yeah that's right that's exactly right and and um yeah so so very interesting but so the yeah so the three of us have negotiated um and it hasn't always been easy it's like siblings you know you yep. have your moments um yep. but we always kind of said it's about the work Ultimately, you know, within the company, it's about the work. So we'll fight over a line or over a direction, you know, in in our early days when we were writing together. Um, So up until 2016, I think 2016, 
was our last uh, 2017. Sorry, because Diary of a Wombat we we did together as well. So that was where we stopped writing everything absolutely together, and we started to branch off into writing separately or two people or you know or not adapting actually because Sandy went and wrote The Unknown Soldier on her own which was based on stories and letters so um, um, I, I love yeah. uh, you know you, you talk about starting with Bugalug's Bum Thief but Children's <laughs> Theatre they have they have the best names I mean Pete the Sheep Josephine Wants to Dance Diary of a Wombat um, Worry Warts The Fairy Wings Emily Eyefinger um, obviously all <laughs> based a lot on on children's children's books where do you find your material from your your inspiration for for these Up and great look i there we in the early years probably up until about 2017 we would read like 50 60 children because that was the company's ethos was to adapt australian children's literature uh, things have shifted, so my vision has has started. Like, no, we we actually started to shift our vision together um, before Tim left, uh, so that you know it sort of started to embrace other areas. Um, but uh, what we had been doing is looking for um, fun, um, thought provoking too. Not always just you know a giggle and a hoot. Um, uh, worry warts for example was you know in 2003 we did that I was in that one uh, loved being in that one um, but that was Morris Gleitzman's story about Keith whose parents were breaking up mm. and and Keith uh, left home to go to because it was around money he thought it was about money so he thought well if I get if I go to and find a big opal um, I will have the money and then mum and dad won't have to break up. So he leaves and, you know, hitches a ride with a truck driver and makes his way all the way to the opal fields kind of thing. So, um, so yes, very funny, but also um, dealing with issues. Uh, and so our big national tours have often been for the younger, younger people, uh, reaching sort of the three to ten-year-old age range but there are novels that we have adapted which are just as uh, uh meaningful for us and, and important for us like hitler's daughter yeah. by jackie french and um and a one uh, a verse novel that we adapted oh in 2013 probably a little bit ahead of its time called goodbye jamie boyd which was about schizophrenia oh. um so you're and, empowering and, young and people, aren't you, through people. through these stories? That's the hope. That's absolutely the hope um, that uh, young people uh, see themselves on stage. I can talk about a little bit more about that later. But see that, yeah, because we have always felt, um, and this has never changed, that young people are fully fledged human beings from the minute they're born. They're not adults in waiting. Yeah. They're not. You know, they don't need to get the, the the crumbs of arts funding. They're not to get, you know, yeah, so we still yeah, fight that every yeah. day <laughs> in our sector. We still fight that every day. But that they deserve the very best um, in the quality of the work that they receive. So the pro 
production values. So a production for young people should cost just as much as a production for adults uh, to create or to make. And you just need to have the very best artists creating that work for them. And, you know, and that that's where the choices um, that, that we've made in bringing the creative teams together that we have over the last sort of 20 years. Um, and th these are experiences that those yeah. kids are going to hold on for a lifetime. As you know, our yeah, conversation that, began, yeah. we remember those, That's right. those trips to the theatre. We theater. do remember those yeah. things. And, you know, we are now meeting young people from all around Australia that are adults that saw the, their first experience was a monkey bar theatre show. Um, uh, so that for us is really humbling because that was one thing we really, like, so, you know, Obviously, you start your company and you've got to come up with your vision and you come up with a mission and, you know, but one part of that mission which doesn't change for me, taking the company in a new direction, is that um, I want to reach young people wherever they live yeah. and in whatever format I can potentially, you know, now with the, you know, the, the, the rise of digital media and di digital um, platforms and stuff like that, but reaching young people wherever they may live because it's it's equity is a big issue so that's what that's where we're moving towards what are the um elements of of good children's theater that you uh audience participation um, wordplay um you have to have a villain surely <laughs> <laughs> no no stop. he's behind <laughs> no, you no, no, no. No, look, that's fun. I mean, I love that. I, I go to theatre, like, I, well, a lot of the theatre I watch is theatre for young people because I love it. I love yeah, it very yeah, much. Great. It, it um, uh, For me, I think one thing we did was we wanted to create theatre that, of course, um, didn't talk down to children, yep. didn't uh, so actually spoke directly to them. Um, and and sort of 10 years ago, eight years ago, we changed the way we created the work to involve young people in our creative developments to make sure we were staying relevant uh, as the company progressed. Uh, a, a story, uh, like, or, or not necessarily a beginning, a middle and an end story, but um, something that captures their imagination so that they can create story from what they see. So, for example, I just went to see, I, I was just in Adelaide and I saw Patches Zoom, yep. which was phenomenal. I loved it because in, in watching this Zoom show, I was able to create this, like the my imagination just went wherever it wanted to go. And I really loved that. So I took away from that as a 55-year-old woman, what I needed to take away from it, right? And I came out feeling full and joyful. And I just think that good theatre for young people and for children is, is just that. So, for example, some of our work is a little more sophisticated for, you know, like so uh, Diary of a Wombat maybe. Let's just, let's just look at that one. Um, we had a, a very sophisticated um, perspective thing going on there where there was a little wombat right in the back and 
it was really it was it was the wombat in the distance and then you know we then she'd come out and then she was the big wombat now very little young people might not have got that but they took away other things whereas an eight-year-old child will take away oh yeah that's the that's the wombat in the distance I get that you know and sometimes adults didn't get that so I just love the layered aspect of children's theatre so that it's not one-dimensional that it is multi-dimensional and that they will take away from it what they need to take away from it as if it's done well and so involving young people and I work with um, young people and Sandy has worked with them as well uh, with children in Bankstown West Public School at um, here in Sydney and uh, we've worked with them on a number of shows where we actually really pull the themes apart of how how uh, you know they would want to see a work and they're really they're god they're honest you know, so yeah. I've just done, I've gone through this with them with Edward the Emu, which I'm creating. And um, we then bring them into the theatre for a creative development and uh, to show them where we've got to with, with their input. And, you know, I have, there was one young person that uh, said to me, Eva, I'm not saying that you haven't got a good idea and that your idea isn't good. But I'm also not saying that, no, what did she say? No, sorry, let me just rephrase that. So this young person said to me, Ever, I'm not saying it's a bad idea, but I'm also not saying it's a good idea, <laughs> is what she said to me about a, some concept I showed her. Yeah. So they're very honest and, that, and that's kind of like that engagement is really important because, of course, we are a theatre company for we don't have children on stage actually engaging as artists in like, like, sorry, as actors in the play. So we want to involve them as much as we can within the, um, the restrictions that we have as a touring theatre company. But hopefully that would change coming, you know, into the next four or five years. Yeah. Well, hopefully we're, we're coming out of this fog of the last 20 months or so, you know, the, that horrible thing, the, the C word, COVID, um, and um, going back onto stages. What's happening for Monkey Bar? in 2022 are you able to tell us anything yet yeah i absolutely can so yeah you're absolutely right we have come out of the fog um we are like i'm really grateful that we have been able to reach this year in this fog sixteen thousand kids so that has been like i've been really grateful and that that's that is because there are presenters in regional um australia who work their asses off to make it work there are crews there are team there are our actors i think had like a hundred covid tests to try and still reach some of those <laughs> places um and our own team here back in Monk at monkey bar uh made that happen and arts on tour so uh so out of that fog because we've just stopped that now we've, we've had to um cancel the rest of it now uh, we are looking towards next year and uh, next year we are touring Edward the Emu, which is really exciting. Uh, but uh, what is also exciting is that I have a creative associate that is part of Monkey Bar now, Mayu Iwasaki, which is, is, is part of our Penny Cook 
Creative Associate Program, which we launched earlier this year that you came to, Peter. Yeah. Um, that's right, in honour of our, our dear, dear um, board member, Penny Cook. And that is about uh, starting to platform and elevate voices that aren't normally heard on our stages. So that's part of my, my new vision is to invite fresh um, and, uh, you know, new voices into the organisation so that young people uh, really start to see themselves on stage. Um, and, and, and I'm talking diverse young people, young people with disabilities eventually. Um, yeah, so and the other, uh, so our creative associate next year will actually present the work that she has been slowly developing uh, at Monkey Bar, which is a beautiful puppetry-based um, work. And, and then we also have Yong, which is um, a play which is based on a book called Yong, Journey of an Unworthy Sung by Janine Bryan, and that has been adapted by Genevieve Chang um, with uh, Darren Yap directing it. So, yes. And that's going to be in collaboration with Ballarat. So where the, where the story is set about a young Chinese boy. So, yeah, so I've got some really exciting things happening and, and some amazing artists that we're going to be working with next year. Yeah, and I'm just, I just have to look, I just have to look towards that. <laughs> oh, it'll happen. It's got to happen. Yeah, uh, it's got to happen. It's got to happen. For all of our sake. Yeah, of course it will. For everyone's for sake. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. Ever, thank you so much for uh, sharing your story today and also the, the evolution of the great Monkey Bar. I think it's a wonderful name, uh, Monkey Bar, and I'm glad there was a Monkey <laughs> Bar you. in, in uh, where was the wine bar? It was, um, I used to live in Balmain. It was, it was just on the main, the main strip, sort of just before that big church down the end of um, Balmain Road. Um, in the centre of Balmain, and it was a brilliant wine bar. It was great. I've, I've been there, before, you know, in the early years, and then it just all closed down, so I'm glad it closed down too. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Eva. Thank you so much, Peter. Monkey Bar Theatre for Young People produces a spectacular work. I urge you to investigate future performances and take your special young person. It's the ideal way to win points and to crown you favourite uncle, cherished grandparent or best big sister. Thanks to my guest today, Artistic Director of Monkey Bar Theatre for Young People, Eva de Cesare. Thanks for joining us in this episode. You can check out all of the episodes featured in the podcast thus far by visiting our website www.stagespodcast.com.au I'm Peter Ayers. Keep well, keep warm, stay safe And I'll catch you next time.